God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. God is. God is so good. You know, as we are making our way through Luke, we're nearing the very end of it. Uh, chapter 23 today is where I'm going to be going. So we're going to have an Easter message in August. There's nothing wrong with that because every morning is Easter morning. Remember that song, right? Amen. Every morning is Easter morning. A message I titled, The Work of the Cross. We're going to be speaking of the crucifixion this morning. Uh, last week at our meeting, we talked about uh, the, the having you all pray, and we didn't not ready yet with that extended poll, so I'll open us in prayer this morning. Let us bow our heads. Gracious Father, again, we praise you and magnify you. We thank you. Thank you, Father, that you've sent your Spirit to be with us, and just pray your Spirit would have thine own way here today. Father, I pray that every word spoken would be for your glory, for your honor. I pray that it would plant seeds in the hearts of your people. Father, I pray that it would plant seeds in the hearts that may hear this message, that, that they do not know you, that it would plant a seed that they would come to know you, Father, that you would be glorified. Father, that a soul might be saved through the words spoken today, that one might come to the knowledge of the cross and the work of the cross and what that means, that, that it brings salvation, it brings redemption to mankind. Father, I just pray again your anointing upon the word and that, that your name will be lifted high. And Father, just again open our ears and our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, as I was preparing this and reading, and I, I opened it up one day and began to read it, and I just kind of, I'm going to be reading chapter 23, verses 32, 32 through 49. And I began to read it very quickly, and all of a sudden I was like, I put the brakes on. I'm like, wait a minute, what did that say? You know how important commas are? <laughs> They're very important. Because I'm going to just read this to you the way that I, I kind of read it real quick in my mind. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. Did you catch what I just said? There were also two other criminals led with him. And I, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> there were also two others comma, criminals led with him to be put to death. Because the way I read it there real quickly, it was like there was two other criminals, meaning Jesus was a criminal. So, take your time and read the word, right? I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> there were two others. They were criminals that were led away with him to be put to death. Karen said, laughter is good for the soul, right? And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right hand and the other on the left. You know, if there ever was a rose between two thorns, that was the truest case. Two criminals on each side of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. I want to pause for a moment. My friends, he could have saved himself. Yes. He could have called down 10,000 legions of angels. He could have saved, he could have 
gotten himself down off that cross, he could have just destroyed all of mankind right there if he wanted to. If he wanted to, if he chose to. But my friends, that's not why he came. He did not come to save himself. He came to save mankind. Amen. Amen. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. My friends, I believe that criminal knew. I think he knew. I think he recognized that it was God hanging there between them. He knew that they were receiving the due reward for their lives for what they have done. As we read this morning, the wages of sin is death. They knew that they were receiving the wages for the life that they had lived. That because they were criminals, that they deserved to die. But he knew that this man hanging between them did not deserve to die. He knew that. He understood that. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there were darkness over, the enti- darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So for three hours there was darkness over all the earth. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, He breathed His last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breast and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. All of this, my friends, was prophesied in Isaiah. Just Isaiah 53, one verse says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he, shall, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was hung with criminals, right? And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. My friends, have you ever stopped to consider that the cross, the symbol that many Christians wear around their necks? Why do they wear a cross around their necks? Gary has one. Most people wear that cross because it's a symbol. It signifies that I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. We have crosses in our churches, many. You can reach out and almost touch three right here. Four, right there. Four. Five. Five. You know, we have crosses everywhere. But do we understand that that symbol that we hold dear and near to our hearts was the cruelest torture device known to man in that day? The suffering and death of crucifixion on the cross was so intense they would nail 
their feet and their hands to the, to the cross, to the wood, they would drive these big spikes into their hands. And where they drove it in, in the jagged skin, it would, it would begin to swell. And the pain would be so intense. And especially in a very hot climate with all that swelling and the heat and you're sweating, it makes it even worse in a, an extremely hot climate. When you think of the, when they drive those nails in, it actually was into the wrist, you think of nerves. What do nerves do? They send to your brain that, hey, I'm hurting here. I'm in pain. You know, put your hand on a hot burner. Them nerves are going to tell you that is hot. Don't touch it. Someone squeezes your hand in something really tight, you're going to say, that hurts. That is hot. You know, I damaged a nerve in my elbow one time working on a vehicle. I smacked the concrete. And that rascal hurt for almost a year. I mean, it didn't hurt just not doing anything, but if I just bumped it, bumped that nerve, it's like it shot pain. Pain in my arm. or told my brain that that was hurting anyway. It's what nerves do. Can you imagine the intense pain of those nails, those spikes driven into the hands and the feet? Not to mention the crown of thorns that was smashed onto his head. The intense pain right there in his, in his, in his, in his head and his mind. Then not to mention the flogging that he experienced before they took him out to the cross. That whip with those claws on there that just ripped the flesh off of his back. He was beaten to where he was almost unrecognizable. And then, then he's hanging on that cross in such agony and pain. They say that the, the mind would almost become delusional because there is so much pain. And hanging there and the weight of your body pulling you down suffocating, experiencing that intense pain. They say that the victim of a crucifixion would literally die a thousand deaths. It was that cruel. So this thing that we hold near and dear was actually a cruel torture device. But we honor it as a symbol. Interestingly, a Roman citizen was exempt from that type of death because it was considered the death of a slave. You know, last Sabbath, in my message, I took, talked about his betrayal. Stop it, honey. <laughs> you get me emotional. And he was sold for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. Today we learn that he died the death of a slave on a cruel cross. The Scriptures reveal to us that those that were hung upon a cross are considered cursed. Deuteronomy 21-23 says, His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. So he who is hung on a tree, he who is hanged is cursed of God. In the New Testament, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So when they nailed Him on that cross, He became a curse for us, for you and I. My friends, this is the great work of the cross. Amen. The great work of Jesus Christ upon that cross. That He redeemed us from our sins. He became the curse for us, redeeming us from our sins. The cross has more than one meaning for the believer. 
It is a symbol of the death that He died. But it's also the symbol of the price that He paid. The price that He paid for us. As the criminal said, we are receiving our due reward. My friends, we're not receiving our due reward because Christ received it for us. As believers, we ought to view the cross as an amazing bridge. Because sin had completely separated man from God. There was a great gulf between man and God. But the cross became that bridge by which man can be reunited with God. Redeemed us. The passage spoke of the curtain being torn in the temple. The curtain is separated. You had the most holy of holies. So that curtain was there. That curtain was that dividing wall that the average man could not go into God. Only the high priest, and then only once a year, could go into, the God, into God, into the Holy of Holies. They say that that veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was approximately 30 feet tall, and some say that it was about a hand breadth thick, which is up to maybe four inches thick. Now, a lot of people will go into great detail and say, you know, two horses could not have separated that and tore it apart. You know, they go into the miraculous of it being torn. But my friend, the most miraculous thing is, is that it, it, it was torn. It was taken, torn apart, signifying that man can now go to God. Amen. Man can now go to God because of the work of the cross. Amen? I want to read another version from Mark. Mark 15, 37-39. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. That separation, that thing that kept us from God is now torn in two that we can go to God. In Revelations 5, 9 it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, hung on a cross, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. My friends, because He was hung on that cross, He redeemed us to God. He paid the debt that we rightly owed. Verse 38 spoke of the inscription that was written and hung above his head. It was written in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. It said, this is the king of the Jews. He was put to death, my friends, for proclaiming to be the king of the Jews. So whenever the Roman soldiers made that inscription and put it up there, they were basically saying, here is your supposed king being executed in public view for all to see thinking that he obviously has lost his kingdom forever because we're putting him to death. But God intended that declaration that was hung above his head to signify who and what he really was. It was not the end of his kingdom, but my friends, it was only the beginning. Amen. When he hung on that cross, it was the beginning of his kingdom. And his kingdom is here for those who believe in Jesus Christ. In His death and resurrection, it dealt the death blow to Satan's rule and rule over this earth. It would establish Christ's eternal authority over the earth. My friends, you don't have to be 
You're not ruled by Satan if you are a child of God. You can say, get behind me, Satan, because I am a child of the living God. Jesus Christ paid my debt, and I am His. I am sealed for eternity. For these things I have written that you may know that you have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Just keep reminding Satan of that every day, right? He is the King of the Jews. But my friends, He's also King of the church. Amen. And His cross is the way to that crown, that crown of righteousness. It was written in those three languages because it was meant for all the world. Not just for the Jews, but the Gentiles, the Samaritans. It was meant for all the world. That's why it was written in those three languages. And I believe that Jesus Christ revealed in just a few short words how amazing, how great His mercy is when He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Could you imagine? You couldn't. I know I can't. Can't even imagine hanging there on a cross in that excruciating pain. Many would be delusional and looking down at those who drove the nails into His hands and feet, looking down at those who said, crucify Him, crucify Him, looking down at all those Roman soldiers, all those, and saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. For those that placed Him on that cross, He spoke those words not only to them, but friends, for all. Because when we are still in our sins, He's saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. When we go out and do something we shouldn't do, He was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. But my friends, once we have repented, once we have believed on Him, we're not to walk that path again. Right. It says, go and sin no more. There's no more, Father, forgive them, if they know, know not what they do, because we are to know what we're doing when we are His, right? So Jesus on that cross is interceding for sinners. My friends, He is still interceding for us today. Amen. He is interceding to the Father even today as we speak. His mercy is revealed with His kind words to the thief that was hung with Him. It was crucified with Him when He said, Today you will be with Me in paradise. When He cried out and said, Lord, remember Me when you come into Your kingdom. You know, if the, you talk about an 11th hour uh, plea for forgiveness, it'd be 11th hour and 59 minutes. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, it doesn't matter how long our past was, how long and evil our past was, as long as we would cry out to Him amen. before we breathe our very last, yes, He's going to say, Today, you will be with me in paradise, you will be forgiven if in your heart you truly repented. What do we think about the cross? How do we feel about the cross? You know, thankfully, we live in a nation where we have the freedom to worship, that we have the freedom that we can wear those crosses around our necks. Amen. Some places they can't do that. Many parts of the world they cannot do that. We have the freedom to be baptized. We have the freedom to come to church and worship how we feel we should come and worship. Sadly, that, that's not the case for millions of people. What did one of the greatest Christians ever to live think of the cross? Well, here's what he thought. He wrote down his opinion. And this is the Apostle Paul. 
says the play, you'll find his opinion in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul would not boast in anything but the cross. What he meant by that, he was declaring very strongly that he trusted in nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified Amen. for the pardon of His sin and the salvation of His soul. He says, let others, you know, they can look wherever they want for salvation, but I will look to nothing but Christ and Him crucified. You can look to any other king or any other image you want to make. Paul says, I will look to nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Nothing. He would rest his salvation on nothing but Christ. He would lean on nothing but Christ. He would place his hope in nothing but Christ. His confidence in nothing but Christ. In the cross of Christ. You know, there are many things that Paul could have boasted about. You know, he was shipwrecked three times. He was stoned, left for dead, beaten. He could have boasted in all that he endured for Christ. But he didn't. He boasted in one thing, the cross of Christ Amen. and Him crucified. He could have boasted of His national privileges that He had because He was a Roman citizen and a Jew, but He did not. He never boasted of His own works. He never boasted of His knowledge. Paul was a very learned man, a very wise man. He didn't boast of that. He only boasted of Christ. He boasted that Jesus bore our sins. He bore the sins of all. If Christ had not gone to the cross and suffered in our place, had not the just went and died for the unjust, my friends, there would be no hope. That's right. There would be no hope for us. There would still exist that great gulf between man and God, which we could never pass from one side to the other but for the cross. His death on the cross, my friends, delivered us from our sins, completely setting us free. I found a story, a story of a chaplain to the American soldiers in one of the Nazi prison camps who shared how life was miserable in these camps and how he tried to spread the message of hope the best he could in such a situation. He shared that one unforgettable morning a big, tough soldier slipped him a message that read, The Scotsman wants to see you now. Chaplain MacDonald carefully walked to the barbed wire fence that separated the British and American soldiers, where he met a Scotsman by the name of McNeil. Shortly before their meeting, McNeil tuned his underground radio to the BBC. Barely hiding his smile behind his mustache, he simply said, They have come. He didn't have to say another word. He did not have to. It was enough. Chaplain McDonald went and told every American prisoner, they have come. That's all he told them. They have come. And each one understood the meaning. It was June 6, 1944. And the Allied forces had begun their invasion of France. Deliverance, my friends, was on its way now. The excitement of the POWs was ecstatic. The guards were dumbfounded as why these crazy Americans were whooping it up in the camp. After all, they were prisoners. Nothing had changed. 
Yet those prisoners knew that everything had changed. Their rescuers were on the way and they were changed from the inside out by what had transpired. My friends, these were prisoners of war. My friends, before Christ, we were prisoners of sin. They were hooping it up because they knew their deliverance was coming. My friends, we should be whooping it up because our deliverer has come. Amen. Amen? Shouldn't that make us shout? Shouldn't that make us be as excited as those prisoners were because they were going to be set free? We should be that excited because we are set free from our sins. We should be whooping it up. We should be whooping it up when we worship Him and praise Him because He is worthy. We should be whooping it up and be excited because of that cross and because Jesus Christ went to that cross and died for my sins. Set us free from our prison of sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Christ. He has come to make you free, and the Word says, He who sets you free, and you shall be free indeed. Amen?